This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, we're talking about three things that stop Teshuvah. Number one is a person delays Teshuvah. A person's got to not delay Teshuvah. A person does something wrong. Straight away, Teshuvah. And we were discussing earlier this Pasuk in Tehilim, in Psalm 89, where it says, Ashrei Ada, Ashrei Ha'am Yodetira. Praise is the nation that knows what Teruah is. It doesn't say praise the nation who blows the Shofar. It says praise the nation knows the Teruah, the sound of the Shofar. What is the sound of the Shofar? Number two, the Torah says, today is a day, it's going to be a day on the first day of the month, the seventh month. Which month is the seventh month? Coming up. On the seventh month, the first day of the seventh month is a day of blowing. It's a day of teruah. What's it talking about? In Tihilim, it says, it doesn't say which Chodesh it's referring to. It does. But the, the, the moon is hidden. But oh. which there's only one holiday where the moon is hidden. Which holiday? There's only one holiday which is Rosh Chodesh, where the moon is hidden. Chodesh, on the month of the Shofar, on the month of hiddenness. When it's hidden, that's... So, Shofar is very... But it's the knowledge of the shofar. What does the shofar represent? We said two things. Number one is the sound of the shofar is the sound of wailing, the sound of crying. It's the sound of teshuva, sound of crying. So we praise the nation that knows the sound of crying, that knows the sound of the wail. Number two is the, the origins of the shofar is when you anoint a king, coronation of a king. We blow the shofar, we blow the trumpets. So Rosh Hashanah is the time of the coronation of the king. And that helps a person remember who's the king, who's the boss. And then it says, well, God is the boss, he's the king of the world. How could I have done these things? So hopefully it reminds that person to do Teshuvah. So there's two aspects of Teshuvah, of the, of the Shofar. Number one is, I anoint God as the king, God is the king of the world. Number two is, if he's the king of the world, uh-oh, I'm quivering. I'm shaking like the sounds of the Shofar. I'm sighing and sobbing inside. I'm wailing and crying inside because of the things I did. So number one is, do Teshuvah straight away. Number two is, don't repeat what you did. Don't repeat it. Every time a person does the same thing, it's a habit. It's so hard to change a habit. We're talking about how hard it is to change a habit. It's easier to learn the whole Torah than change one habit. So, and it's so hard to learn the whole Torah, I can imagine. <laughs> you learn one page every, every day, you can finish the Talmud in seven years, you can imagine. You can learn one page a day properly. It's very hard. And then you have the Shulchan Aruch to learn, you have the Rambam to learn, and you have all the other books to learn. It's, it's never-ending, never-ending. So a person who repeats their sin, the, the, the Rabbeinu Yonah says, Teshuvah te kasheh, Teshuvah to kasheh, his Teshuvah is very hard. Why? Because the sin becomes allowed. If you do a sin three times, it's like, it's a mitzvah. It becomes like a mitzvah in Pastor's eyes. What do you mean? Everyone does it, you know. Rama, the Spanish guy is a beautiful thing. You ask a person, why are you doing this? Why do you drive to shul? Why do you switch on lights on Shabbat? They'll tell you it's a minhag. My father did it. My grandfather did it. We all did it. What's it mean? It's a minhag. It's allowed. He says, minhag otiot gehinam. The same letters, the word minhag, the same letters, the word gehinam. Imagine gehinam is hell. So minhag is custom. In Hebrew, the same word for custom is the same letters for hell. Imagine. So sometimes a person says, my excuse, my father did it. My grandfather did it. We all did it. What do you mean? What's wrong? How can it be wrong? And the answer is, it doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it right. But a person is so used to seeing it, so used to doing it, it's right. In their eyes, it must be right. We're used to doing it this way. 
But that's the way we did it. You know, there's a famous uh, debate. Do you stand up for the Ten Commandments or not stand up for the Ten Commandments? So Svaradim, the Rambam says, to sit down for the Ten Commandments. Why? Because when you stand up, you're showing that the Ten Commandments are more important than the rest of the Torah. <coughs> Ashran say, no, we stand up for the Ten Commandments. Everything's important, but we stand up for the Ten Commandments. Also important. So what happens is the rabbi of a new shul, and he comes in, and he sees half the people sitting, half the people standing. He says, what's going on up here? What's your minhag? So he goes, he goes to see the old rabbi. He says, what was the minhag of the shul? He says, I might, and the shul, half sit and half stand, and they will fight about. He said, that's the minhag. That's what the minhag is. <laughs> so minhag, os yod just wait, because the person is used to doing something the same way. And he, what, what does that mean? It means every year we have to re-examine everything we do. Can you imagine the person going to go, even though we do it the same way? doesn't mean it's right. Maybe it's wrong. We have to re-examine everything we do and try and filter out the bad. It's so hard. It really is a hard job. To do Teshuvah properly, it's the hardest thing in the world. Because a person got to examine everything. It's not just one's deeds. It's also one's thoughts. It's not just one's thoughts. It's also your reaction, emotional reaction. It's also your traits inside. Am I an angry person? Am I a mad person? Am I, am I uh, a very jealous person? Am I a generous person? Am I a mean person? All these are traits, and we have to try and modify the traits. That's, that's a whole teshuva business by itself. That's a very hard job. It's a very, very hard job. So it's not just teshuva and action. Teshuva and action is really one of the easiest things. I did this, you know what you did. I did this, I did this. What about all the bad thoughts you had? We were talking about earlier about a person who suspects other people. You come to my house, and then two days later, I can't find something. So you know what? Must have been that guy. He came to the house, and I can't find it. Must have taken it. So even though it's only in my mind, I suspected someone. It's a bad trait. Doesn't got to do teshuva. Not allowed to suspect people who are kosher. What? Do you have to ask him if you want from someone for suspecting them? If you do, he's gonna he's gonna get very upset. Mm-hmm. So is it better to? Because how do you do teshuva? If you so the thing is like this: if it's in your mind, it's not between you and man. You know why? Because he doesn't know anything about it. Once he starts knowing about it, then it's in his, and he knows about it. Then it's between you and him. <laughs> but it's still in your mind, you can do the truth between you and God. Once you express it, say, hey, I'm missing something in my house. Do you know where it is? So, oh, you suspect me? Uh-oh, that's, that's between man and man already. So well. if, you say, if you say something like Lashon Hara or something negative about him and he doesn't find out about it, do you have to ask him if he That's a good question. Yeah. You've got to know. It's a very hard question. If you're going to make matters worse... Sometimes better why you're going to hurt his feelings. Tell him, listen, I spoke bad about you. I'm very sorry. So what do you say? What do you say about me? And who do you tell? And who do you talk to? Just how many people do you tell? Why are you spreading rumors about me? And he feels very bad. Now you hurt his feelings. So it's worse in a sense. Why? Because now he knows about it. He's hurt inside. Before he never knew about it, he wasn't hurt. But then it's not really possible to do to Shabbat. It's very hard. That's why Lashon is such a terrible thing. It's a terrible thing. It really is a terrible thing. Because you're hurting someone. It's one of the, one of the curses yesterday. In the Kitabo. Arur Makera Ehu Basater. Curse is a person who hurt who hits his friend in private. How do you hit your friend in private? Say Loshonara about them in private. Curse the person who hurt someone in private. It's terrible. It's a terrible thing. How do you hurt someone in private? You talk bad about them in private. So he doesn't know. It's a private he doesn't know. Hashem says, that's cursed. Cursed. You know it's interesting, all the curses in last week yesterday's parasha of Kitabo are all to do with things which are hidden, no one knows about. All the sins, the 11 sins, which are all 11 curses in Kitabo, they're all things which it's forbidden, it's in private. Why? It's between man and God, really. God says, 
You, you think no one knows about it? I know about it. Arur. It's terrible. It's a terrible thing. So it's a terrible thing that we have to go through to hear these things. And the corresponding to every Arur was a Baruch, which the Torah does not list the Baruch. The, uh, the Sifri, I think it's the Sifri, who says that every, every Arur was corresponding to a Baruch. There were six tribes on one mountain, six tribes on the other mountain. Levites in the middle. Levites would just say, Arur, so-and-so. And then Baruch is the opposite of the Arur. So, uh, we'll curse the person who speaks bad of a person in private and praise the blessed is the person who doesn't speak bad in private. Everything was the opposite. So, uh, so we, what did we say so far? Number one, we said, do Teshuvah straight away. Number two is, don't repeat it. If the person repeats something, it's as if it's allowed. It becomes like allowed in their eyes. It becomes like a minhag. So it's a very, very important idea. And uh, he brings down the, sometimes Sadiqiv, the righteous. Trip in one sin. And he brings down a pasuk in Kohelet in Ecclesiastic, chapter 7. Kohelet chapter 7. Adam ain't Sadiq ba'aretz asher yasetov There's no such thing as a righteous person in the world that only does good and never does bad. There's no such thing. Imagine. It's a very broad statement. Imagine. I mean, it's a very shocking statement. We think there's a thing called a tzaddik, a tzaddik who's a saint who's never sinned in his life. Is there such a thing? God it says no such thing. So what is the definition of a tzaddik? He sinned, but he came back. There's those things a person who's never sinned in their life. Maybe the definition is a person who dies before the age of thirteen. A boy who dies before the age of thirteen never sinned in his life because all his sins belong to his father. The girl is under the age of twelve, so she never sinned. But a person who's reached the age of thirteen, even once bar mitzvah day one, probably did something wrong. Imagine, how long can a person be without sin? It's very hard. So there's no such thing as a person who's a a righteous person who will do good all the time and not do bad. So what happens? And the answer is they've got to try their best to do teshuva straight away. That's the difference with a tzaddik. A tzaddik falls how many times? Seva yipol tzaddik. The difference is he gets up again. The difference is a tzaddik does teshuva and gets up. Rasha says, I can't. I can't resist the temptation. I'm not going to bother trying. <coughs> but Tzadik says, it's a battle. And you know what? It's a battle to the end. There's no such thing as a person without Yetzirah. The only one was David Amelech who says, Lebi Chalad Bikirbi, I was already 70 years old. My heart, is, my heart is empty within me. How do you get to that level? Killing your Yetzirah. And the answer is a very old person who doesn't have a Yetzirah anymore. In fact, when they lose the Yetzirah, they have no desire to eat anymore. It's towards the end. Because what gives us the desire to eat? It's very, it's very interesting. What gives a person desire to eat? What gives a person desire to do anything? It's the power of evil, which is tremendously powerful. So until we can raise our, until we can raise our desire for good to that level, a person's going to use the evil to motivate them to do good. What does that mean? A person says he likes, he likes to eat. We all like to eat. Anyone doesn't like to eat? I love chocolate cake. <laughs> okay, so you love chocolate cake. What do you do? How do you use that? Keep it for Shabbat. My extra good chocolate cake for Shabbat. So you use your evil inclination for a mitzvah. Right? Whatever you like, keep for Shabbat. It says Beit Shammai would eat every day for Shabbat. Because he would see something nice in the shul, in the, in the store, buy it for Shabbat. Next day he would find something nicer and eat the first thing. <laughs> he was eating every day for Shabbat. So whatever it is, a person's going to find. 
how can I motivate myself? I've got to find a technique to motivate myself. And the Yetzirah is the best technique to use. It's compared to a wild horse. You've got to be like a cowboy. You've got to break that horse in. You've got to ride that horse and break the horse in. How do you break the horse? So a person says, you know what, I want to go. I want to go. To, I'm going to get up early tomorrow and go somewhere. And he gets up early in the morning. He says, you know what, I'm, now I'm up early. I'm going to go to shul. So use that Yetzirah to get up early. Instead of doing something else, he went to show. So he used the Yetzirah to go, to motivate himself to get up, to do something. Or he'll use the Yetzirah to say, it's on my way, I'll stop in the show. I'm going anyway, I'll, I'll stop here, meantime. Suppose he can use the Yetzirah, that's a trick. Suppose going to try and use the Yetzirah. So the difference between a Tzadik and a Rasha is a Tzadik, obviously he'll, he'll sin, but he'll conquer, he'll fight, he'll conquer. And if he falls into the sin once, he won't repeat it again. Okay, so that's a very important. He'll do the shiva straight away. It's a very, very important person. And again, it's interesting. He quotes yesterday's parasha. Curse is a person who will not fulfill the words of this Torah. How does he fulfill the words of Torah? He just said. And the answer is, when he does teshuva, he's fulfilling the will of the Torah. So teshuva is a very important, very, very important ingredient in the, the Torah itself. And a person gets a double mitzvah. When a person does teshuva, they're getting a mitzvah now. So the sin led to a mitzvah. He uses Yitzharah to fix it. To fixing it is a tremendous mitzvah. Teshuva is a tremendous mitzvah. So it's interesting. This is an interesting section about repeating the sin. Look what he says. A person does this one sin ten times. Even though he's careful with all the other sins of the Torah, he's considered a transgressor of many different sins. That's a very big chiddush. And he brings us a proof from the Nazarite. Right? A Nazir is a person who takes a vow. He takes a vow to be a Nazarite. What are the three things he's not allowed to do? Haircut. Haircut. Dead, close to the dead. Go to the, touch, touch the dead body or go into a cemetery or drink wine. Three things. And in fact, the Torah is, is interesting over there because the Torah itself makes a fence around the Torah. <coughs> It's one of the few places the Torah itself says, don't go near the wine. Don't touch it. Don't go near the vineyard. It's very unusual. It's a very unusual mitzvah because it's a fence around other mitzvahs. It's interesting that grape products, grapes are forbidden and yes. all that, but other alcohol... Beer and whiskey is allowed. Yeah. As long as it has no grape in it. It's amazing. So it's not a per se, it's not an anti-alcoholic thing. It's anti-grape. But I can say in those days, most of the alcohol was from grapes. Maybe that's... Uh, it's, it's interesting. So just like there's many different kinds of levels in sinning, there's also many different levels of teshuva. I was going to realize there's many different levels of teshuva. What does that mean? So a person can do a sin without even desire, with no desire. They're doing it and they think in the back of the head, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. They're fighting, they're fighting, fighting. They just can't control it. But there's hardly any satisfaction involved because there was such, such pain involved in doing it. So therefore, it's a very low-level sin in, in terms of the attitude towards it. The uh, Baal Shem Tov says that when a person sighs, so, I can't, I can't resist it. But he does it. But he sighs. He says, I, it hurts me. I, I don't want to do this, but he does it anyway. That sigh is worth a lot to Hashem. That sigh is showing that he's battling it, he's fighting it, fighting the urge. 
So it's very important to fight the urge. And uh, so there's different levels of sin. The more gusto a person has, the more enjoyment the person has, the worse it is. So less gusto, less enjoyment, the less sin it is. The same thing applies to the tshuva. The more gusto a person has the tshuva, the more broken they are in the tshuva. That's what teruah really stands for. The person is broken inside by the, by the tshuva. So different levels of tshuva. The person says, okay, it's, it's time for tshuva. I'm going to say sorry, Hashem, I'm sorry, goodbye. So obviously the tshuva is not 100%. The person didn't make up their mind not to repeat it. So, the, according to the struggle, is the reward. That's the bottom line. Bottom line is, according to the struggle, is the reward. So, everyone is different. Everyone's Yetzirah is different as well. Everyone has a different Yetzirah for different things. And according to, only God knows how much the struggle is. Only God knows the struggle a person has. And according to the struggle, the more a person overcomes, the greater they become. And that's why a Baltishim is greater than a Tzadik Abur. Essentially, I saw an analogy... The analogy was the king had three beautiful bottles of wine, which he inherited from his grandfather. And he was going to a certain place. He didn't know where to store the wine. Who's going to, the people here, he's going to store the wine. They're going to drink of his wine. So he had three good friends. So he give each friend one bottle of wine. He says, don't you dare open it and drink it. Don't you dare. So one friend, oh, this wine must be good. Let me, let me just taste it. Oh, opens the wine, tastes it. Gorgeous, gorgeous. I can't resist it. Drank the whole bottle. He put the cork back in as if nothing happened. Second friend said, God, it must be gorgeous wine. Let me just taste it. Taste. He tasted it. But I love the king. I can't do this to him. I can't drink his wine. He puts it, closes cork again. A little bit that's missing from the wine. The third guy was a really good guy. He didn't even open the bottle. This king, is, he's my king. How can I disobey him? So what happens? King comes back. It's a parable. King comes back. He says, three friends, bring me the bottle of wine. So one guy brings the bottle, empty. Okay, take him straight to jail. <laughs> the other guy gives the bottle, missing something. So how do you explain this? He says, Your Highness, I had a terrible urge. I know this wine must be very good wine. I had a terrible urge to taste the wine. And I tasted it and I said, how can I do this to the king? How can I do it? He's such a good king. He's such a righteous king. He's such a good friend of mine. How can I do this to the king? I put the cock back in. And the third friend comes along, whole bottle of wine. So the king says, you know, the guy who drank the wine, in jail. The guy who didn't drink anything, $10,000. The guy who drank and closed it, $40,000. So the guy says, what's going on? I didn't drink anything. I didn't even open the bottle, and I got only $10,000. The guy who drank a little bit, he gets $40,000. So the king says, he gets $40,000 because he had a bigger temptation. He drank a little bit and he withdrew. So that's the Baal Teshuvah. drank a little bit and he changed himself. He gets much more reward than the person who never tasted the wine in the first place. So the person who never tasted the wine doesn't know what he's missing. The Baal Teshuvah tasted the wine, he knows what he's missing. That's one explanation. The second explanation is, a Baal Teshuvah is greater. Why is it greater? So it's, it's a much greater test. It's a much greater test. That's the first explanation. It's a much greater test. The person knows what it tastes like and refrains from it. It's good wine, he's refraining from it. He tasted it. The test is much greater. The second explanation is a Baal Teshuva, and there's different kinds of Baal Teshuva, but say a Baal Teshuva who loves God. He gets to this point where he loves He says, how could I do this to Hashem? I, I didn't realize how bad it was before. Now I realize how bad it is. So all his bad deeds are changed into good deeds. All the bad things they did 
So now when a person does a bad deed, we say they do it with gusto, they do it with desire, they do it with joy, they do it with happiness. That bad deed becomes a good deed now. Normally when a person does a good deed, they're missing those those different feelings of gusto and love. You see people coming to the rabbi's shear. I can't wait for that shear. I can't wait. I, I, I'll line up early. I'll come 50 minutes early. I'll line up outside the shul. Uh, people waiting outside. I can't wait for the shear. Sometimes they do. It's amazing. You see great rabbis who come to town. Rabbi Samir Cohen, right? People push to his back. People waiting outside. Yeah, he's in town. And uh, that's great. So people do it with gusto. Do it with gusto. Most people don't do mitzvah with gusto. Eh, Shabbat, okay, what time is Shabbat? Okay, we got time, it's okay. They don't wait in time. They don't wait in line to, to get it and come early and wait for Shabbat to come in. So that is a very high level, but no, most people don't do that. But they do a sin. Ah, they do it with gusto. They do it the best possible sin. Now, when they do Teshuvah, that best possible sin becomes a mitzvah. So they create a big angel, healthy, strong angel. Most people do mitzvah, the angel is half dead. The angel is on life support. Why? Because, eh, I did a mitzvah. Okay, I'll do a mitzvah. How do you say a bracha? You said a bracha today in your food? Yeah, how do you say a bracha? You know, it's a beautiful story. It says, Rabbi Elbaz, Rabbi Reuven Elbaz in Israel. So a guy comes to Reuven Elbaz. He says, he says tell me, Rabbi, he says, what is my gun Eden going to be like? What is my reward in heaven going to be like? So Rabbi says, listen, how is your bracha? When you say a bracha, how is it? Eh, it's like that. You have kavana? I said, sometimes I have kavana, sometimes I don't have kavana, sometimes I put my heart in it, I put my heart in it, sometimes I think about God, I don't think about God, I just said a bracha. And how's your brick at Amazon? My brick at Amazon, it's, it's mediocre, it's like this. And how is your tefillin? Is the best possible tefillin or is it just mediocre? It's, it's mediocre. He said, your ganet will also be like this. <laughs> Everything we do is taken into account. How we do it. The quality of what we do. The quality is very, very important. Hashem measures two things. It's not just quantity, it's also quality. Sometimes the Rambam says, sometimes the Avira is so big, it outweighs all the mitzvah a person did. Sometimes the mitzvah is so big, one mitzvah a person did can outweigh all his Avira. Because Hashem takes into account not just the quantity, it's also the quality. So we have to try our best. You know, in, in industry today, a big part of industry today is quality control. Sometimes you buy electronics, you see on the back, QC. Quality control, it's signed by someone. And uh, quality control is very, very important. If you buy things and they have bad quality, you're not going to buy them again. So it's quality control is very, very important. The same thing applies to our mitzvot, how we do the mitzvot. He talks about people who spend a fortune on, their, on the knobs in their bathroom. Gold-plated knobs in the bathroom. And the tefillin? Wouldn't pay a penny for the tefillin. The mezuzah? Well, the case is the most important thing. It's a beautiful case. I bought this case, special case. What's inside your case? I don't know if there's anything kosher inside. It's printed. It's put the wrong way. It's put backwards instead of forwards and upside down. So that's the big problem today is the quality is not just... Teshuvah It's not just about doing the mitzvah. You do the mitzvah, you didn't do the mitzvah. It's also about what quality is my mitzvah. We have to try and improve the quality of our mitzvah. It's very hard. That is where the Yetzirah is. The Yetzirah is the quality. It's not just quantity. It's also quality also. So the says, I keep Pesach. What kind of matzah do you buy? I buy the regular machine matzah. What's the problem? Is that Hidru mitzvah? Is that a quality mitzvah? Is that a beautiful mitzvah? What kind of wine do you buy? Well, I buy the regular, whatever, Mibushal, I don't know why. People don't know these laws. They don't know the intricate laws of quality and quantity. Your talit, were your strings manufactured by a machine or made by hand? 
I don't know, I have no idea. So these are things a person can work on to improve. Who do you buy your mezuzah from? Who do you buy your tefillin from? Who do you check who they were? Were they reliable, not reliable? These are things that people don't know. People don't care. When they buy an iPad, oh, i got to get the best brand. i got to get the Apple. i got to get the best thing. I buy a computer, i got to get the best computer. But when I buy my mitzvah, when I do my mitzvah, meh, I don't know. Oh, my bathroom? Oh, I need gold. Gold knobs. I need uh, marble floors. You see these guys, the marble floors in the bathroom. Unbelievable bathrooms. When it comes to the mitzvot, talit is worn out. The filling doesn't wear. So that's the trouble. The trouble is the quality we we spend on our mitzvot. The quality is very, very important as well. So it's not just quantity. It's also quality. So unfortunately, sometimes the avera, the quality of the avera is much better than the quality of the mitzvah. So Baal Tejiba comes along. He takes that avera and transforms it into a mitzvah. So now his mitzvah is much higher. So, so it's, a, it's a very high level. So that's what he says over here. There's many different levels in Teshuvah. And the closer, the higher the level in Teshuvah, the closer you get to God. Because what is Teshuvah? Teshuvah literally means return. Return. Returning to? Yeah? You return to Hashem your God. So this this week's parasha. Nitzavim. The best best parasha, right? It's only 40% Kim, so It's only 40% It's the best parasha You know why? It's my bar mitzvah oh. <laughs> So, so well, well. I call it my best parasha It's a very, it's a very beautiful concept You were born on Shabbat parasha A person can go all the way back to Hashem It's an amazing concept Return, return to Hashem So a person does Teshuvah Sometimes you return But you don't go all the way up I'm, I'm going I'm going back to this address. I'll park a, a block away. I'll park two blocks away. And I'm not going to get there. I'm not going to get to this, to where I came from. So Teshuvah, there's different levels of Teshuvah. How close can a person get close to Hashem? And part of the Teshuvah is keeping away from what a person did already. Keeping away from these things that a person did already. So uh, we have to realize also what, the, what a sin does to a person. What a sin does to a person. A sin can ruin a person's soul. Now, this is the part we don't see. The part we don't see is how a sin can affect a person spiritually. In a sense, it's a kind of spiritual suicide. You know what spiritual suicide is? Karet. Karet is a person's soul is cut. So a person, you know, today, a lot of people commit suicide. It's terrible. In America, maybe 25,000 a year. We said uh, vets. There's 12 vets a day committing suicide. Hard to imagine. 12 vets a day commit suicide. They got it down from 18 a day. 12 vets a day. But people, what about the people who commit spiritual suicide? You know, the, the, the Torah lists a whole bunch of... We're going to read on, on Yom Kippur, Mincha time. Of all times, we had Yom Kippur, Mincha time, the relationships that a person can have that causes karet. The physical relationship a person has which causes karet, which is a cutting off of the soul. The soul is cut off. So what is the soul cut off? Spiritual suicide. It's amazing. We can't see this. You know, the rabbis make fences around the Torah. You know why they make a fence around the Torah? Because just like the government makes fences around areas which are dangerous on the highway, they don't want people to fall, jump off, fall off the highway. So to the rabbis, do not want people to fall off the highway, spiritual highway. They don't want people to fall off the spiritual highway. Share, share it. Make, make everyone make brachot. Why is the rabbi going to get fat? Everyone's going to be slim. It's not right. So... Uh, we we have to uh, make fences, spiritual fences. What are these spiritual fences? So the Torah says, don't cook meat and milk. And the rabbi said, don't eat meat and milk. Six, six, between six hours to each other. 
What a big dopamine and milk on the same table. We'll make fences around the Torah. It's tremendous. Why? Because it's a spiritual suicide. It's a suicide. It's a danger of destroying a person's soul. We have to take precautions. So every every every, every sin a person does, they damage their soul. Every mitzvah they skip, they damage their soul. There are 248 positive commandments. There are 248 limbs in a person's body. Every mitzvah, positive mitzvah, corresponds to one limb. You know, there's a book. Which book? What's the name of the book? Which, which talks about which mitzvah corresponds to which limb. You know, do you remember? It's a Kabbalistic kind of work. I have it in my office. And it works. Boy, it works. It's fantastic. It works. Anatomy of the soul? No, no, no. It's in Hebrew. No. It's a very good book. It's very good. Sefer gives you psukim that refer to that aspect of a person's blemish. You should try it. It's very, very interesting. So, uh, and there's 365 negative commandments corresponding to 365 days of the, of the year. So you can imagine, every day we do something, we're ruining that day, we're wrecking that day. We're wrecking the day. People don't realize. Every day has to count. How do you know every day has to count? Because it says when Avram Avinu died. He died, Avram Avinu Haya Babayamim. It says he was full of days. He came with all his days. Rashi says he, he used all his days for good. Can you imagine? Where else does he use that phrase, Babayamim? Avram Avinu and? <coughs> David Amelech. So he came with, with his days. All our, all our days have to be perfect. So which days are 365 negative commandments? There are 365 days in the year. So please have in mind when you eat these things. Lulu Lishmat, Meir, Chaim Raphael, Ben Heschel, Tzvi, Heschel Tzvi. That's the outside. So when a person does Teshuvah, they've got to think, I'm washing my soul. It's like a wash for the soul. A person's going to wash their soul. You know, in England they have uh, eye washes. You know what eye washes? They wash their eyes out. They have a special thing which washes the eyes. It's very, very effective. If you have grit in your eyes, you need to wash it out. So they have these, uh, they sell it in the store, in the pharmacy. Eye wash. So you can imagine now you're washing your soul. A person takes a shower. The rabbis talk about Tisha Kabin. About having a, a two, three minute shower and you're washing off your soul. So, you wash your body, a person should wash the soul. How do you wash your soul? And the answer is by doing Teshuvah, a person washes their soul. So, that's the power of Teshuvah, wash a person's soul. What is the main ingredient that washes a person's soul? And the answer is regret. You know, it's interesting. I was walking through yesterday, I was in Manhattan with my son. And walking through these beautiful buildings. Each building must be worth like, I don't know, many millions. And just in the 1950s, these buildings were cheap. 1950s. So guys who brought a brownstone in, in this area of Manhattan, or even Williamsburg today, very, very expensive. Can you imagine, Williamsburg, it's a real dump. I mean, it really was a dump. And now it became the in thing for the in crowd. All the yuppies want to live over there because it's next to Manhattan. And they get the view of the Manhattan skyline. Oh, everyone wants a view. I can't stand the Manhattan skyline. <laughs> it's all concrete jungle. It's a concrete jungle. But some people like the Manhattan skyline. Beautiful. So they want it from their windows. So they go to Williamsburg, look out, and they see the Manhattan skyline. All these old buildings became worth fortunes. So a lot of people pass these buildings there and they kick themselves. I miss this opportunity. Can you imagine? A couple of years ago, we could have bought Amazon stock for $1. How much is it now? 2000 Oh, boy. <laughs> Went up in the last two weeks. Okay. Person kicks themselves. I could have bought that stock for $1. Every time you think about this, you go crazy. 
could have bought Facebook for how long? How much? For many years it was twenty. Now it's how much? One fifty. Huh? One fifty. Listen. Wow. A person kicks themselves. I could have done this. I could have done this. I could have made so much money. That's the same way we have to use. We could have done this mitzvah. We could have done that mitzvah. We don't think in the same terms, unfortunately. If we think in the same terms, we kick ourselves. That's harata. That is regret. That's the regret a person could have used for teshuva. If I wouldn't have done this, I did so much damage to my soul. If I wouldn't have done that, I wouldn't have done damage to my soul. If I had done that mitzvah, I'd have got so much credit. But says, you know what, I wish I went to yeshiva. You know, my father, a blessed memory, would always tell us, when I grew up, there was no yeshiva. I wish I went to yeshiva. You know how much impact that had on us? I wish I had the opportunity to go to yeshiva. So that's something a person will motivate themselves and think about. Instead of thinking about all the garbage I could have done in my life, I could have bought these houses and this house and that stock and this thing. Think about all the things a person could have done. All the opportunities for good we had in our lives which you missed, unfortunately. So that is a very important idea, the idea of harata, regret, remorse. So we have regret for other things. The worst regret is regretting a mitzvah. A person can, just like a person can erase this. It means a rambam. Just like you can erase a sin by doing teshuvah, a person can re- erase a mitzvah. Because you know what? A person gets sick. And the doctor says, you know why you got sick? You got up early in the morning, you went in the shul in the rain. The guy says, oh gosh, I wish I never went. Oh. He just erased his mitzvah. So never, never, never regret doing a mitzvah. But should never regret doing a mitzvah. Regret a regret. Yeah, of course. You can always regret a regret. <laughs> so regret regretting a mitzvah. Oh, Hashem, please forgive me for regretting a mitzvah. Erase the regret. So regret and remorse is a very, very important part of the teshuva process. Watch the wire. It's a very, very important part of the teshuva process. Changing one's ways. Very hard. Very hard to change one's ways. A person's got to change their ways and never do the same thing again. A person's got to change their ways, never do the same thing again. And it says, Shuvu, Shuvu, Midarkem Haraim. The prophet Ezekiel says in chapter 33, Come back, come back from your bad ways. A person's got to change their ways. Isaiah the prophet says, The evil person should change their ways, leave their ways. So whoever, whoever does a sin, he develops a sort of desire for that sin. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to leave that sin. A person's got to really try their best to leave it, mm-hmm. change their ways to the point. Roman says you have to go to the other extreme. First you go to the other extreme, and then come back to the middle. So some people go to the other extreme, they forget to come back to the middle. That's the danger also. There's a danger over here. Of being an extremist. A person becomes an extremist. You find some body tshuva, they do teshuva, they come lunatics. <laughs> Why? Because they forget what the Ramam says. The Ramam says, you do go to the extreme and come back to the middle. They go to the extreme and they stay in the extreme. I had a cousin of mine. He says, my garden is full of, of, of cutlery. I said, why is it full of cutlery? He says, because whenever I ate something non-kosher, I used to throw the cutlery in the garden. Because that's what I learned. The rabbi said, you put it in the earth. But he didn't understand what the rabbi said. Because the rabbi says, you dig. the halakha is, if something absorbs in cold, you stick it into the earth ten times and, and it's kosher now. Which means you scrape it. So he didn't realize it. So he dug it into the earth and left it over there. Did you explain it to him? Yeah, of course. I think he listened to me. He was older than me. He didn't listen. Of course he didn't listen. I know better than you. I know more than you. We're talking about. 
<laughs> so, yeah, so he lost his whole set of cutlery. It's all buried somewhere in his backyard. Okay, he had good intentions. If anyone goes digging for buried treasure in his garden... <laughs> I feel like stainless steel cutlery. <laughs> now you know, maybe you want to go back and go to London and dig up his earth. His, his... <laughs> you know, look, and you're a day of pay test. No, exactly. So a person's going to change. But a person's going to forget. Go back to moderation. Mm. There's only one thing the Rambam says, keep away to the edge. What you say is that? Be humble. Be humble, he says. Be extremely humble. That's so hard to be today. Because if you're humble, you don't get the job. you got to be, uh, you got to say, I can do it, I'm sure I can do it, even though you can't do it. You have to do it, I'm going to be the best president you ever saw, you watch, I'm going to be the best, I'll be the greatest. I'll uh, lower the taxes and I'll give you so much money back, lies. Read my lips. Who, who's that? <laughs> Read my lips. I will never raise the taxes. Read my lips. And you know what he did? Amazing. <laughs> he was only one time president. His son was two time president. He was a bigger liar. <laughs> okay, so whoever lies more gets the job. It's a basic. Okay, now we come to a very important point. I'm going to finish with this point. The point is how do you know what spirituality is? How do you know a person is spiritual? And the answer is if they're happy. One of the worst traits that a person can get, and it's the biggest trick of the of the Yisra, mm. to make a person depressed. Mm. A person can't find happiness and joy. It's yesterday's parasha. Cursed is a person. What does it say? Who doesn't serve Hashem? Who doesn't serve Hashem with simcha and tuv with joy and goodness uh. of heart? And what, you know what that means? That means they're depressed inside. They do a mitzvah. It doesn't raise. They really. They don't really find it raises their spirits. I did a mitzvah and I still feel blah. I don't feel... I was going to find a way to find the mitzvah makes them happy. Mm. You know, why should a mitzvah make you happy? Because when you're doing the right thing, it should make you happy. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's interesting because in schools today, they bribe the kids. They give them a sticker, they give them this. Mm-hmm. The school, I, I started a school and we hired this amazing teacher. She was, she was, she was the head of the young, early childhood. Mm-hmm. She said, let's teach the children without stickers. How? Mm-hmm. How do you do that? So let them, we ask them, do you feel good you did that? Do you feel nice inside that you did that? Mm-hmm. You helped this, this other child. Do you feel happy you did that? Mm-hmm. Teach him to feel good inside by doing good. Wow. And it's so effective. It's an amazing concept. Because now the kids, they don't need stickers. Mm-hmm. If, we tell them, do you feel good inside? He says, yeah, I feel, I feel good. Now I see the other kid smiling. <laughs> and when the kid hurts the other kid's feeling, the other guy's crying. Do you feel good that you make the other cry? cry? Yeah, I feel good. So if that's I mean, the case, so if you good. could give children feel it, then yes. would that seem to would it seem to be a contradiction of what Chazal say about only attaining a yetzer hatov on your bar mitzvah? No, but it depends how you teach them. No, the whole purpose of what's the whole purpose of bar mitzvah? What's the purpose of thirteen years? What are you doing mm-hmm. in those thirteen years? You just leave them like that? No, they'll grow up wild. You know, they'll grow up wild. It's the training that comes with the thirteen years, not just mm-hmm. thirteen years. If you read the book, The Lord of the Flies. What happens if yeah. you put kids together on a desert island? Or Minan. You never know. Just leave the kids for 10 minutes alone in the classroom and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Havoc. Havoc. Chaos. Chaos. So it's very important. So it's the education mm. person gives the children. So there's different ways of education. Yes, there is a sticker, but there's also a spiritual sticker. And that's what we have to do. When you do a mitzvah, I feel the goodness of that mitzvah. Right. Kept, you know, when you keep Shabbat, it's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. A feeling, you know, it's, yeah. it's hard to leave Shabbat because you get that island in time, which is a spiritual island. <coughs> right. People don't know the feeling of a spiritual island. I'll tell you, Yom Kippur is, is the best day in the, week, in the year. Mm. 
the feeling of, of, of pleasure you have after Yom Kippur, not about you, but you feel clean. Mm-hmm. You feel so clean and close to God after Yom Kippur. And then we go back to eat, and we go back to the grind, and that feeling is gone. Mm-hmm. It doesn't last long. We have to remember that feeling all the time and motivate ourselves. The sense of purity is the best feeling a person can have. I'm pure. I'm, I'm clean. I'm, I feel like rejuvenated. I feel re-spiritualized, re-energized. Bez Rashem will all be re-energized and do Teshiva completely. Bez Rashem, all of us. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.